0: The following audio podcast is brought to you in living color. Somehow. Hello, divers. Coming to you from Studio D This is the Deep Dive Microcast, a brief look into things I find interesting, and I hope you do too. I'm Tom Feeney, raconteur, reverse influencer, and writer for Wingstop Movie Magazine. In this edition of the Deep Dive Microcast, we dive into the history of something virtually all moviegoers have seen, but may have never understood what it is or what it means. What exactly is Technicolor? At its most basic, technicolor is a process by which vibrant and, hopefully, accurate colors are added to motion pictures. That process, like all other film technologies, has evolved over the past century. In 1891, the kinetograph, the first motion picture camera, is developed by Thomas Edison's laboratory. Simply put, it was a camera capable of taking a series of pictures of a subject in motion, which were then shown back in sequence. Of course, it does little good to have a camera that can do this amazing thing and have no means of capturing those images. Now, around the same time, inventor George Eastman created a new kind of cellulose-based film that could be rolled onto a spool. Edison bought a quantity of that film and had an assistant create a sprocket system that would pull the film along past the camera lens when turned by a crank and motion pictures were born. Of course, that film was silent and in black and white. But since that day, one of the holy grails of the motion picture industry was finding a way of adding color to the movies. Early attempts included actually hand painting each frame of film individually. That is kind of mind-boggling if you think about it. While on the surface, talking about a color film process might seem a bit, well, less than colorful. Well, okay, I grant you that. But that's just the beginning of the Technicolor story. It has been around, in one form or another, for over 100 years. It is no understatement to say that Technicolor has impacted the entertainment industry as much or more than any actor, director, or movie studio in motion picture history. The company was formed by three colleagues, Herbert Kalmus, Daniel Comstock, and W. Burton Westcott. Originally, the trio were interested in only being an industrial research firm. But after being asked to consult with a motion picture camera inventor, the three businessmen's interest was piqued. Their focus shifted to film and filmmaking, and Technicolor was born. This happened way back in 1914. Two years later, Technicolor's first color film process was unveiled. It used two colors, red and green. Behind the camera's lens, a prism, split the filmed image in two. That meant two frames of film were exposed at the same time. One image was exposed behind a red filter, the other a green filter. Using a special projector, the red and green tinted images would combine to give a somewhat crude approximation of color. Only one movie was made using this process a 1917 drama called The Gulf Between. Sadly, only a few frames of that film still exist, but as rudimentary as it was, it was a start. Over the next two decades, the Technicolor process would evolve and become more sophisticated. Now, you might think that all the major movie studios would be salivating at the chance to make all of their movies in beautiful color. Well, that wasn't necessarily the case. In the 1930s, only a relative few movies had the most up-to-date technicolor treatment. But they were only either short films or short sequences in feature films. Even though the process had been improved by leaps and bounds, the movie studios weren't convinced it could be a viable way to generate movie box office. Plus, it cost four times the amount of shooting in black and white. It wasn't until a new movie studio called Pioneer Pictures came along. Never heard of it? Well, that might be because Pioneer was actually formed by people who had invested in Technicolor and wanted to prove that a full-length feature could be made and released successfully into theaters. So, what was the first full-length Technicolor movie? Nope, <laughs> contrary to popular belief, The Wizard of Oz was not the first. That distinction goes to a film released three years earlier in 1935. Here is the screen as you now know it in its customary shades of black and white. Here it is, flooded with the rich reality of natural color. This specially prepared scene of Miriam Hopkins as Becky Sharp shows her transform from phantom shadows into the breathless beauty of living color by the greatest achievement in motion pictures since the advent of sound. I'll believe only what you tell me and nothing that you deny. Uh, then believe that I'm your Becky and that I love you, I love you, and nothing else matters. Becky Sharp Starring Miriam Hopkins, With Francis B., Cedric Hardwick, Lily Burke, Alison Skipworth, Nigel Bruce and Alan Mowbray Directed by Ruben Ramudian Designed in color by Robert Edmund Jones film Becky Sharp was based on the 1899 play about an upwardly mobile young British lady who was climbing the social ladder and stepping on anyone that got in her way. Well, that never happens anymore, does it? But the successful use of Technicolor in Becky Sharp paved the way for subsequent films like The Wizard of Oz. Now, the process wasn't without its flaws. It used three times the amount of film, One strip for red, and the others for green and blue. It also involved color dyeing the film in a special bath. Also, the huge lighting requirements meant an unbearably hot soundstage for actors and crew. And the special cameras needed could only be rented from Technicolor. Now, all of this significantly increased the budgets of movies using the process by the 1950s, other companies were catching up with Technicolor in the advancement of color motion pictures. There was Technorama, VistaVision, and Panavision, among others. The Technicolor method of making movies was getting close to the end of its golden age. In fact, the last American film to be printed by the Technicolor company was 1974's The Godfather Part Two, But you can't keep a tried and true filmmaking legend down. The Technicolor process went through even more refinements and made a bit of a comeback in the late 1990s with movies like The Thin Red Line, Toy Story 2, and last but certainly least, the 1998 god-awful Godzilla remake. Ultimately, the Technicolor process was retired in 2002. The company was ultimately bought by French company, Thomson Multimedia, which is now called Vantiva. Now, does that mean that Technicolor no longer exists? Well, not at all. The company, which is now a subsidiary of Vantiva, is called Technicolor Creative Studios. Now this newly formed company comprises a visual effects department, post-production facilities, an animation studio, and a gaming division. So even though the classic Technicolor process is no longer in use due to most movies being recorded digitally, directors, producers, and editors are always looking for ways to duplicate the look of Technicolor. Now, there are special lenses, filters, and color correction software out there to try to mimic the high-saturation, high-contrast look of Technicolor. But so far, most of these have fallen short. As it turns out, some things are better left analog. Thanks for listening. If this is the first time you've heard this podcast, check out our past episodes and subscribe so you don't miss a single one. And we want to hear from you. Drop us a line at thedeepdivepodcastgmail.com or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter feeds. You can find links to all of those and our merchandise store in the bio of our Instagram page. From all of us here at Studio D, which again is just me and my cat, stay safe and take care. All clips used in the Deep Dive Microcast are meant for educational purposes only and not to infringe on existing copyrights. The Deep Dive Lounge theme was arranged and performed by Robert Acorn based on the original composition by Ryan Blaney. The Deep Dive Microcast is a production of Automaton Studios.